politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house with your cutting edge and literally cutting edge up to date information on all of the false science and now false arithmetic being used to lock you all down, steal your rights, destroy your economy, destroy your entire system of government and your way of life all for a lie. You know, it conjures up John Kerry's famous uh, testimony before Congress during the uh, Vietnam War. How do you ask the last man to die for a mistake? And it's almost surreal where we sit today, Thursday, May 7th, a day before the 75th anniversary of VE Day, when they stormed Europe, conquered Europe from the Nazis, and now we are all locked down. We are locked down because of an utter lie. We've been talking about for the last number of weeks of how everything was exaggerated. It wasn't said precisely of who is at risk, to what magnitude, what strategy is needed. But now it's surreal because now we are facing a reality that is not even science. It's not even settled science. It's settled math. And when I say math, I don't mean fancy regressions, calculus and trigonometry i mean simple arithmetic i'm sitting here with my kids home governor lockdown larry of my home state larry hogan in maryland announced yesterday he's keeping schools closed till the end of the year and here we tend to go pretty late so there still was a lot of time on the clock and i had to find a time to record this show when they weren't fighting and having a tantrum or something and i was thinking to myself This is all for nothing. So it's not only the fact that kids aren't at risk and now, what is this, like a 10th study, a German study came out yesterday that said there's no child to adult transmission. So not only do they not die, they don't transmit either. But this is not even about kids. It's not even young adults that aren't at risk. It's not even so much generally sicker or older people. It is now becoming clear with simple math that when this is all done... More than 50% of all of the national deaths, if you could even believe that number, which we'll get into, of the 72,000. That means at least 36,000, if not significantly more, occurred in nursing homes or assisted living, hospice, senior care facilities. And that in some states, it's it's, uh, significantly more, as high as 85% in in a state like uh, Minnesota, 77% in New Hampshire. 70% in Pennsylvania. But it now appears that as of now, as of now, and really the last few weeks, but certainly where we sit now, nearly all of the new deaths, simple math, that are taking place are happening in nursing homes. So so we're going to go through this There's something that's clear and there's something that's not clear. What's clear is that outside of the nursing homes, the epidemic is over. Now, don't hold me to it if there's a handful of statistically insignificant deaths outside of nursing homes from other cohorts and groups of people. You don't. I mean, that's not an epidemic. I mean, if if you're going to shut down a country based on that level, 
then, then there's nothing. I mean, we're, we're done. If that's the new threshold, even if lockdowns would work, and as we've proved and we're going to continue proving, they don't work and they're actually counterintuitive, especially when you catch it late, which we, we did. And in a virus like this, where there's a three-week uh, tran- peak from the transmissions to the deaths, you're certainly going to catch it late, which we did in Europe, we did here. But this is the most important and urgent message. And, and I, I spent all night trying to get to my contacts in the administration, governors, the White House, because some reason I'm the only one doing this when this should be simple math put out by CDC every single day. Now, it, it's there in plain sight. You go to, but it, it's a little cumbersome. You have to go state by state and you have to go and it's sometimes a little bit hard to see, you know, eight days ago, what were the number of total deaths? What were the number of deaths in nursing homes? And then what are they now? And you'll get a number, for example, um, in my county, in Baltimore County, Maryland. So overall, 82% of all deaths, 83% are in nursing homes, have been in nursing homes. But the ones from the last eight days, it appears that 59 of the 55 deaths, 59 out of 55 were in nursing homes. Now, I know some of you are trying to jump at your audio and say, Daniel, did you lose your mind? What do you mean 59 out of 55? That's more than 100%. Well, we'll we'll get into that. That's the other part of this, that not only are nearly all or all occurring in nursing homes, but even from the nursing homes, a lot of them are being backfilled. It's not that they died now. They're recording it now as a nursing home death, whereas previously they didn't put it into the subcategory of nursing home deaths because now that now they're finally studying it, and they're realizing that more of the people who died in hospitals before were actually nursing home patients that were transported to hospitals. Folks, that I mean, irrespective of what your philosophy, I mean, even if you believe in this voodoo philosophy, what the governors are now doing to justify lockdown, they're saying, hey, the deaths are, I mean, there's some places they're skyrocketing. In Minnesota, they're skyrocketing now, except they're all in nursing homes. And it's, what's unclear is, again, how many are occurring now, how many are being backfilled. But the point is, we have a nursing home care crisis to some degree. It's a little bit murky what's going on there. And we'll delve into that. But outside of nursing homes, I mean, folks, <laughs> In many states now, the median death age of COVID is 84 or 82. That is above the life expectancy. And and you know me, I'm as pro-life as they come. I'm not saying their lives don't matter, just the opposite. I'm saying we need to surge all of our resources into them, not into enforcement and funding of an entire country to be locked down. But you understand what that does to the numerator. We've been talking about the denominator. How many people have really gotten this 30 to 50 to 80 times more than have been tested for it, tested positive? And then we took the existing numerator. But if you take out, let's say, 50%, it's going to probably be wind up being closer to 60%. In Spain, it was 56% of all deaths in nursing homes. So if you want to know what is your potential fatality rate from COVID outside a nursing home, And when I say outside a nursing home, I'm including everyone outside a nursing home, meaning even if you're 90 or even if you have serious chronic conditions, certainly if you take out that tranche, then it really, really goes low. So, I mean, this is simple arithmetic and they're lying to us. 
They're conflating, muddling, and obfuscating a simple arithmetic and a simple fact that you go to any local media. I, I just did a simple Google searches last night, and I dis- discovered a Hartford, Hartford Current article in Connecticut. Headline, 90% of all deaths this past week were in nursing homes. See, at first, I thought that was only true in a state like Minnesota, which didn't have a broad outbreak. So, yeah, the little you have is mainly in nursing homes. But Connecticut was one of the big, big tri-state outbreak states where, you know, it was more widespread. It roped in more people. And the answer is simple because it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense how four weeks after the peak, when there's essentially nobody in hospitals, how are the deaths rising 2,000 every day? Well, now we have our answer. Because they're not dying in hospitals. They're dying in nursing homes. And then also, some of the previous hospital deaths are being revised as nursing home deaths. Some of that's unclear. But I I, want to get into some of the math, but first... I spoke with two people in the administration of the White House, and I said, guys, like you know this, right? And they're like, no. And I said, tell me something. Please tell me that there are at least a few staffers. I know the big names, the chief of staff, whatever. They're busy with meetings. They're not crunching data all day. They're not looking at news stories. I get that. But there are, there are staff in the White House that knows what I know and knows more than what I know. And he said, Daniel, there's not a single one. You would cry if you saw what they're working with. Which is why the state governors are just completely eating Trump's lunch money. Because he makes such a clumsy case for our case. And then he says the opposite. Because there's nobody there who shares our view. Another guy I was like, I I tried to give it to. I was like, you got to know this. He said, Daniel, I get it. But I'm no no longer on the task force. He said, there's not a single person on the task force that believes in an alternative to what the Democrats are doing. This is the Trump White House. I mean, you saw today, yesterday from Ryan Gurdowski, more bad staff hires. I mean, how much longer are we going to go on like this, suffering the worst of all worlds, where the left is so activated as if Trump is doing what we want to do, but he's actually, everyone in the White House is doing the opposite. I said to one of them, or both of them actually, I said, please tell me there is a non-clinical explanation for Trump yelling at Democrat governors to open and then the next day yelling at at Brian Kemp for opening and trashing Sweden. I was like, no, Daniel, you're not missing anything. It was a very depressing conversation. Look, I I could lie to you. I I I could say everything's great in the White House, but I'm just telling you, it is that chaotic. I mean, this is why I've been working 13, 15 hours a day because I realize like, if I don't search this out, no, it's not going to be put out. There's a couple others in this business that are doing good, good job on this. But you would think like HHS, CDC, NIH, White House, they would have this stuff. Again, I'm not talking about complicated studies of the inner workings of transmission and viral loads. You know, I'm talking about the simple hard data, the top line data that's driving all this. There's this broad thing. There's a lot of deaths and cases going on. It it, it hasn't stopped. And really, it's all a lie. So before I get back to the nursing homes, I just want to give you a sense of another lie that they're doing. 
so what they're doing is again they're telling these counties you have a bunch of deaths and they're and a bunch of counties in New Jersey, Pennsylvania are now petitioning their state government to to break out the cohort of nursing home deaths from the general deaths because you can't tag a county as an outbreak county if it's all if it's not widespread. It's 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 a, it's a confined known tragic but known problem that's very confined. But another thing they're doing is also they're using cases. They're not even talking about deaths. They're like there's more cases. And we're like Sherlock, you discovered the secret. Yes, there's even more than you think, and that's the point. This has spread as ubiquitously as a, as a winter flu, and therefore, the deaths are that low, and the death rate is that low. So it gets into the prisons, and 100% of the prison has it, 96% asymptomatic, like one death out of two, 3,000 people, and it's mainly someone older with chronic conditions, and they're like, and like hey, there, there's like all these cases. Dude, they're in the prisons. They're confined, so it's spread everywhere. But again, that actually helps our case because it shows that this was never as deadly and certainly not now. That, that's another game that they're playing, these governors. And what they're doing is they're creating impossibly high thresholds or low thresholds for a shutoff, high threshold to reopen that now I wrote today, and, and, and thank you um, to one of our listeners from Oregon, Terrible, uh, a small business owner who is really suffering. I feel so bad. Um, thank you so much for communicating with me and giving me this story. And I wrote an article on it today. And this is why I need I need your help. I, I really will read your emails or at our Facebook page, Harwood Citizen Sanctuary, our Facebook group. Miniman Speak Easy. You could be invited to it if you request an invite. Um, just email our team. And uh, so this listener we had sent me this story that the governor is now demanding from the states that they um, show that the level of hospitalizations is lower than at, at, let's say, this time from flu. From May, you know, a typical flu season, what it would look like on May 6th. Like, do you want to, so, so now they're like, Daniel, how do you even come close to the flu? This is like the bubonic plague. It's a hundred times stronger than the flu. And now they got so busted that basically it, for much of the population, it is like the flu. And then mainly for nursing homes, it's, it's terrible. And they didn't secure them. Um, so now they have to be like, well, it's got to be below the flu. Now, I will tell you, the hospitalizations now are already well below typical flu levels during a flu peak. I mean, you know, February, January, um, you know, which, so yeah, but but to say that what everyone regarded as somewhat of an epidemic, I mean, like we shut down everything. It's not like there's nothing going on. It's not like there wasn't an epidemic. To say that it has to be below May flu levels is insane. If that's the new threshold for a shutoff, I mean, dude, we're done. I mean, remember, the 2018 flu season, there were roughly 60,000 people died two years ago. Well, now we know that as of now, no more than 36,000, and it could be a little under that, no more than 36,000 died of COVID in America outside of a nursing home or a hospice, senior care facility, 
assisted assisted living. Now you have to balance both sides of the equation. You would have to go back into the sixty thousand of the flu, and I'm sure a certain number were in the nursing homes too. But you know, but you get my point. And, and none of us even said not to do anything to try to slow down hospitalizations and whatever. But this severely for this long? Are you kidding me? And at such a cost. This is the biggest scandal in the entire settlement of the North American continent. And and it's still not being reported. Simple arithmetic. But that's what they're doing now. They're saying, you know, you, you saw the Illinois governor and told us a vaccine. You can't have more than 50 people in a church. I mean, folks, rise up. God bless uh, Shelly Luther. It looks like she was just released. Thanks to our pressure, many of us, you, you guys, patriots, the governor there, the lieutenant governor, attorney general, you know, spoke up finally. But it took a little bit of prodding. It should have happened 16 hours earlier. There's still a lot of tyranny going on in Texas, which makes no sense. And again, that's my question. If we can have a Trump White House, a Republican Party that could have a cogent, bold, alternative message like we do on this show, at a time like this, this is the Super Bowl of civilization. This is when it all matters. Every policy that affects our lives in the short term, midterm, and long term are on the table and being permanently, inimically harmed and affected by the Democrats indefinitely. And half the Republicans are going along with it. The other half are playing with themselves. I, mean, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what their deal is. Daniel, do you, do you think Republicans will win in November? Dude, at what point? At some point, it doesn't matter. What we are suffering from now is worse than anything we ever imagined if a Democrat would have won. This is insane. Wake up. But anyway, let's go through some of the numbers. It turns out that in state after state after state, 50 to 85% of all Deaths were in nursing homes. Not this is not the figure of how many died who are seniors and or you know above 70 and or had underlying conditions. No, that number is more like upwards of 95 to 99 percent, depending on the state. This is just in nursing homes. And again, all of the numbers now are from nursing homes. So don't get confused. When you see that. And remember, another corroborating data point is this. They said there were going to be 2.2 million deaths. Then they said 100 to 240,000. Then even their modeling said like 66,000. And it looked like that's what it was going to be. And then we just started, like it peaked. And then the last three weeks, two weeks, it's just every day, another 2,000, another 2,000. Like, where is this coming from? It doesn't reflect the reality on the ground. It's like you could tell they're going to get their, it's it's in the 70s now, and they're going to get their 100,000 number by hook or by crook. But where is it coming from? So I already noted it, it should be abundantly clear that everything needs to be opened up right now. The tyranny needs to stop right now. And 100% of our money and resources need to go into nursing homes.
That is the compassionate thing to do. That is the scientific thing to do. That is the arithmetic thing to do. It's a common sense thing to do. Okay, that, that, is, that is settled science. Done. But what is going on in nursing homes? So that in itself is very troubling because it would appear that while there's almost no deaths outside, but inside there's a worse trend of a growing trend of deaths than there was even three to five weeks ago during the peak, which epidemiologically makes zero sense. It would make sense. You say, look, it's over everywhere else, but it's still lingering in nursing homes. But to say that nursing homes are worse off, it needs an explanation. Now, let's explain what we know for sure, what we see questionable, and, and, and what we don't know. So what we do know for sure is that, at the very least, the governors of California, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania demanded that nursing homes take back those who tested positive for COVID from hospitals. So we now know that was utterly devastating. But even to this day, the governor of California is doubling down on it. This is an article a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago, I think Tuesday or Monday, Mercury News in California. State agency offers cash incentives if board and care homes take in COVID-19 positive seniors from hospitals. Remember, the share of COVID deaths in nursing homes in California was actually very low. It was more like 20%. Now it's upwards of 40 and rapidly growing. Like every state, almost all the new ones are in nursing homes. So Gavin Newsom, the governor, is forcing them to take in nursing home patients, take in people who test positive. I mean, folks, I mean, this is evil. They're locking down Oh, business owners with five healthy young people in a room. They're, they're, they're having all these insane things, shutting down churches, beaches, screwing with everyone. 33 million people unemployed. Upwards of five, six trillion dollars spent and bankrupted. And not only aren't they securing the nursing homes, they're sending the positive patients back into them. And they're telling us we're the ones that care more about money than lives? Are you freaking kidding me? I can't believe this. Why don't we have a president saying what I'm saying as directly, as studiously, as passionately? Where are the Republican governors? Aside from maybe DeSantis, where are the Republican senators? Where's the RNC chairwoman? Where are the cabinet secretaries? Where's Falky? Whatever, I don't want to get myself into trouble here, but you know what I mean. The Tony and Debbie show. Oh, they're so concerned about lives. Why aren't they talking about this? Because we have a Republican party from head to toe that are nothing but Teletubbies. And obviously, Debbie and Tony aren't even Republicans, but whatever. So that's one thing we know for sure is happening. Another thing we know for sure is happening is that they are backfilling some of the data. So it's not that all of them, even in the nursing homes, are dying now. Again, in my state of Maryland, from April 28th through May 6th, 
there have been 317 new deaths statewide, but there have been 333 new recorded nursing home deaths. Obviously, mathematically, it doesn't make sense. So what it means is that relative to the date on April 28th, they're now revising some and and counting them there. So so there's there's two things going on simultaneously, I suspect. And a little bit of both, and it's going to depend on the state what the mix is. And, and I just don't have the time to look at each 50, of the 50 states because the exact data point doesn't matter. We know what's happening now. But basically, picture, like, let's say you have a certain date, you know, where, okay, they put out data, there's 500 deaths, 200 of them are nursing home deaths. Then you come 10 days later, and they're like, well, there's another 100 nursing home deaths. So is it that there's now, it's still 500 it's just that really it's 300 they discovered that really another 100 of the previous total pile are in the subcategory of nursing home or is it adding meaning we discovered an, an additional amount so the answer is there there's some of both going on there's they're revising they're adding new deaths they're also just simply just realizing cuz again for most of the time they were focused on age um, race and and gender, and some and the ones that were more transparent put in health status. So, in other words, John Smith dies in in a hospital. They're like, okay, well, he's a male. He's eighty five years old, um, <clears throat> and he's Caucasian or Hispanic or whatever, and he had diabetes. He had cardiovascular pulmonary issues or whatever. But they didn't bother to check, well, he resides in a nursing home because, you know, it didn't matter to them. Nursing home families started demanding this data, so they started putting it out. And they put it out initially, but what it looks like they might have done in many states is just drop the number of deaths that literally occurred in the nursing home itself. But the hospitals never checked into that. So now they're going back like, oh, well, John Smith was a resident of, uh, you know, yada yada assisted living. He, you know, the, the EMTs took him in to the hospital. But that's the more important data point because we don't care literally where they geographically die. The point is, are they a nursing home patient? Because that makes it, in terms of the risk assessment, the risk stratification that makes a big difference. Are you a nursing home patient or are you not? I mean, that that's not most of the population and, and nobody in a nursing home is working. So, I mean, that makes a huge difference in terms of public policy strategy. So... It looks like now what's happening is, and, and, and this, this came from a Fox News article in New York uh, from the New York numbers, quote, exactly how many nursing home residents have died remains uncertain despite the state's latest disclosure, as the list doesn't include nursing home residents who were transferred to hospitals before dying. Now, look, you would think that would actually be most of them, especially during the peak. I mean, you have trouble breathing. You would hope they would take them to a hospital. Now, Sadly, there's a lot of malfeasance going on there, and it could be something they didn't, but clearly something they would have taken, and most don't die on the spot. It takes at least a few days. So they would have died in the hospital. So in other words, what could very well be is that it's not necessarily so much that, I mean, this might be 50% of the pie of the equation of the new deaths 
it's not so much that, you know, let's say there's 100 new nursing home deaths announced in a state. It could be, it's not that there's 100 new deaths, maybe there's 50 new deaths. It could be the other 50 are really just revised from the original total. Hey, you know, these guys who died in the hospital were really nursing home patients. So I suspect that a lot of the states that are still in the 30s and 40s in terms of percent of the total deaths um, from nursing homes, and they're not in the 60s and 70s, I suspect when this is all done, we will figure out that they'll all be put over 50 and then the national average could come to 60 and beyond in terms of the percentage of overall deaths being nursing home patients. And that is a horse of a different color than what we were told. That is astounding. Astounding. You look at the Spanish flu, it took out the young, healthy, working age people, right? This not only is the rate of death way, 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 way down, but I mean, if 60% of the entire national death toll is from nursing home people, I mean, let, let me just explain something to you right here, right now. This is a little bit of an old study, um, but you know, it, the numbers are pretty, it's JAGS by Kelly and colleagues, this is 2010. This, this happened, I mean, the stat is pretty stagnant over the years. And they note that the median length of stay in a nursing home before death was five months. The average length of stay was longer at 14 months. 65% died within a year. 53% died within six months. So, I mean, again, I'm very pro-life. But, I mean, even if they 100% were cut down by COVID, meaning if you didn't have COVID, they would have lived however long they would have lived. And now they're 100% cut down by COVID. It's extremely tragic, but that is a different national story than what we were told. And remember, including in in these numbers are are hospices, not just nursing homes. But I mean, the Illinois state director said they're including hospices, and I think it's all states. So, I mean, dude, come on. Come on. How do you even know they died from that? But let me get into that. How do you know they died from that? Let's take this even further. Let's take this even further. So let's just take New York's numbers. If you look at New York's numbers, so they started this this business uh, a couple weeks ago where they started this shtick of putting confirmed deaths and presumed deaths, not just for nursing homes, overall, overall. And that's how they've been really juicing up the numbers where I think we all know even outside of nursing homes, the numbers are being inflated. I mean, it's it's obvious that the Illinois state director said it. So that we know. But typically, let me just exaggerate, but it's not really an exaggeration, but let me give an example. I don't have a real number in front of me, but it would be a small number. So let's say, you know, they have, there's a thousand confirmed deaths in the state and there's another hundred presumed deaths. It's, It's like another 10%, okay? You go to New York and in New York, it's a little bit higher, but but the overall deaths, the confirmed, are much much li- larger than the um, than the presumed. Then you go to New York's long term care facility cohort breakout deaths. Confirmed twenty four eighteen, presumed twenty five eighty five. In other words, there are more deaths in the presumed pile among nursing home deaths than the confirmed pile. Folks, I mean, it doesn't take a Sherlock to see right away that's BS. 
right away, they're using the nursing home numbers. Again, there's a tragedy going on there and an inordinate amount are dying there. The question is how, how many now, how many before? But there is a certain percentage that's being skimmed off there. Because think about it, it's common sense. Think about this for a minute. To begin with, we have now proven that the death rate for COVID is so low. So the, 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 we know that in a confined area, almost everyone winds up testing positive. They get it. We're seeing that from prisons, ICE facilities. But even, you know, if you're not locked up, but like uh, meatpacking plants and, and ships, naval ships. Nursing homes are going to be at least as bad because, I mean, I for numerous reasons. They're all going to get it. Now, certainly this is very dangerous in a nursing home, but it's not like a 50% kill rate, right? Maybe as opposed to 0.01 and 0.05 or 0.1 or 0.2 or 0.5, for, depending on your cohort. For these people, it could be 3, 4, 5%, which is very serious. But it's not 50%, okay? So what's happening is they're literally testing everyone in the nursing homes now. And they're going to find almost all of them have it. But guess what all, all, guess what simultaneously happens anyway? 65% within a year and 53% within six months die. So over any given two-month period, this two-month epidemic, a massive number are always going to die in nursing homes as they always do die, okay? Most studies show somewhere around 27% of all human beings in, in America. There's something like, what, two and a half million deaths a year, fatalities a year, two and a half million? About 27% of those every year are in nursing homes. Okay? Okay, so, so you're going to have, that means, you know, you're going to have over 50,000 deaths likely a month in nursing homes nationwide. 50,000 a month. So over two months, let's just conservative estimate 100,000. You have 100,000 baseline deaths to play around with. No question there's excess deaths from COVID. No question. I'm not denying that. And, and a lot of that is because of people like Cuomo and Gavin Newsom. But ask yourself this. According to the studies that I've seen, and I and again, this is old data from last decade, but it's, it's pretty common sense and, and consistent. 36% die of dementia, 30% of car cardiovascular issues, and 23% from pulmonary. So, I mean, what they're simply doing is, oh, he tested positive and he died. He died of COVID. Like, whoa, I mean, nursing homes more than anywhere else, A, they die quickly, they die more often, and they often kind of die suddenly. It's the heart stops, the, you know, it's, it's they basically, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, pancreatic cancer, they're usually in a hospice. Um, so it's not even a matter of, oh, you know, COVID, rather than cutting down 40 life years of a younger person, it cut off three months from this person. And I don't, I don't want to knock that. I mean, every day of life is precious. And I don't mind even counting that as a COVID death. That's fine. But you do have to be transparent where it's coming from. You do have to be transparent. I don't mind if you could prove to me, or, or it's logical they died from COVID, you know, that the doctor saw this like lung attack that that's very much has the COVID trademark. I, I understand. But it appears that a tremendous amount of people that just die of a heart attack and they test positive for COVID. Now, look, it's very dangerous. But and if they're sick and old, 
they are in danger of dying from COVID, but it's not 100% of them. You see what I'm getting at? So if we wind up saying, if, if it winds up being, let's say right now, let's just call it even. There's 36,000 deaths outside of nursing homes, 36,000 inside of nursing homes. But given that over that period of time, 100,000 would have died anyway under very murky and hard-to-determine circumstances, and given that we know that almost all of them are now testing positive in the places where COVID wound up getting in, or let's say 50-70% of them test positive, and we know that even among healthy or non-nursing home people, they are coding everyone who tests positive even if they die of clear alternate causes, as a COVID patient, dude, I mean, how much of that 36,000? Is it 5, 10, 15, 20? I don't know. Really were at least 50, 50 from COVID from other things or 100% from other things? I mean, th- these are basic questions. Look, you know I'm smart on history and language and and uh, obviously um, sociology, politics. Law, constitution, math and science ain't my thing. I'm stuck on ninth grade math. I don't know how to do regressions. But you know what? I know simple arithmetic. And, you know, this is my thing. We have thrown tens of billions of dollars the last two months in extra money to CDC. What are they doing? What are they putting out? All of the studies are private institutions. And all of the data is from the states. What are they putting out that we don't know? Sometimes they collated a little bit from the states. Every day, we should have the following from them. And they absolutely have this data. How many nursing home residents died as distinct from those who died among the general population, state by state? How many deaths occurred on the day it was recorded versus how many were backfilled? How many of the nursing home deaths are confined are confirmed as having died as a result of the virus as opposed to just having died te- you know, with the virus because they tested positive. How many coronavirus patients were admitted straight from hospitals to nursing homes broken down by state? So we know how bad that problem was. Then also, in general, we should have the results of any antibody serology test that CDC has done with a full breakdown of the real fatality rate stratified for each cohort of age, gender, race, health status. And folks, if they don't have that data, that's real criminal. There is no way they are not pull bombing the country. Now, in this case, it's not a a public opinion poll. It's serology test. There's no way they're not doing that. And if they're not, they need to be abolished. And then we just need right now where we stand. Out of the 72,000 total, assuming that is not inflated, a state-by-state and national breakdown of what is the overall number. Meaning, I I wanted a day-by-day, but then the overall cumulative number in long-term senior care patients. Because if you had that top-line headline that it's only 36,000 in the entire country outside, and then you break it down as like, you know, whatever, 35 out of the 36,000 were either elderly or chronic conditions, most of them being both, then, folks, this entire thing is, is, it's not just a matter of we destroyed our country in eight weeks and what we shouldn't have done. It's going forward. They're getting stricter 
on their threshold for a lockdown. I mean, do you understand how many things we have been confronted with as a country on a yearly basis that in some level gets near those levels of mortality? And we don't even notice it? I mean, because now this has become such an institution, even if you have a SARS or H1N1H1 H1N1 level, which presumably was less deadly, was less contagious, guess what? That's going to be a pretext to do all of this over and over again. This is what, what keeps me up at night, friends. This is what keeps me up at night. We keep moving the goalposts. Remember, as Thomas Jefferson warned, the natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. They're not going to give that back, back that ground if we don't grab it back. And lockdowns are the perfect strategy because lockdowns do nothing but perpetuate a need for lockdown because all it does is then you lock everyone down and everyone's scared and they think it's all dependent upon that. And then every death becomes about like, it's as if it was avoidable through a lockdown and that that's what's happening. As Dr. Katz said during yesterday's uh, Senate um, uh, Homeland Security Committee hearing, and look, I give Ron Johnson credit for chairing it. I don't know why this was the first hearing in eight weeks that actually had Scott Atlas, Dr. Katz, um, Dr. Ioannidis, um, some of the big names. There's one or two clowns they had on, too. Um, the Johns Hopkins guy. Like, we should have had this eight weeks ago. Just the basic questions of what what is the virus doing? So he said yesterday, the problem with an interdiction strategy that starts and ends with flattening the curve is that it can never stop. Because... Meaning, if it's all about, look, we're worried these seven days, we don't want to be overrun. So let's just, you know, make sure we're not, oh, okay, so fine, it's over with, whatever. But once the strategy is that you think flattening a curve means you could prevent the death, it, it's it's like a rubber band. It comes back at you at the other end. It, it, everyone agreed until a few weeks ago in epidemiology, everyone agreed that the flattening of the curve is not, you know, certainly you're going to have a lot of collateral damage. Um, and you're not going to save any deaths, but you're just going to delay them. And in some way, you might save lives just because it's self-fulfilling that if you have it all at once, then the healthcare system can't handle it. And a certain percentage that you could otherwise save will wind up dying. And depending on the country and your health healthcare system, there might be a need for a certain period of time to do that. That's the only place for lockdown. They're now using lockdown as like, you know, the hospitals are empty. But like... Any per there's a case. There's a case of COVID. There's a case of flu. There's a case of this. The country has to be locked down. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's no exit to that. And that's exactly how they want it. It can never stop because they don't want it to stop. Even if you're a liberal listening to the show, you don't agree with me. I think you guys see very evidently by now that it wasn't just a disagreement in strategy. It's with a heavy heart. We believe we have to do lockdown. We believe it's the best strategy, but they understand it's an evil, maybe in their mind, a necessary evil, but an evil. No, they are enjoying it. They want this. They are doing everything they can to keep it going. 
Let me close with a very, very, I mean, unbelievable warning from Sam Adams. Now, I don't have time to read the whole letter. You could Google it. It's called Letter from Candidus. It's a pseudonym, Samuel Adams, Boston Gazette, October 7th, 1771. Now, it starts off with a quote, Ambition saw that stooping Rome could bear a master, nor had virtue to be free. I'm not going to read the whole letter. I don't have time, but I will read the closing paragraph. And it's a little bit hard for me because my computer screen is far away and the font is small here. Um, it's one of these ebooks. Um, it's called American Patriotism Speeches, Letters, and Other Papers. Um, where is this? So again, 1771. The liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution, are worth defending at all hazards, and it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have received them as a fair inheritance from our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood and transmitted them to us with care and diligence. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the present generation enlightened as it is if we should suffer them to be wrested from us by violence without a struggle or be cheated out of them by the articles of false and designing men. Of the latter, we are in most danger at present. Meaning not an armed struggle. Let us therefore be aware of it. Let us contemplate our forefathers and posterity. And resolve to maintain the rights bequeathed to us. From the former for the sake of the latter. Instead of sitting down satisfied with the efforts we have already made which is the wish of our enemies. The necessity of the times more than ever calls for our utmost circumspection, deliberation, fortitude, and uh, uh, preservation. Let us remember that if we suffer tamely a lawless attack upon our liberty, we encourage it and involve others in our doom. It is a very serious consideration which should deeply impress our minds that millions yet unborn may be the miserable sharers in the event. You know, what this bogus industry that I've been in with this phony conservative movement for too long is all about, they'll say what I say. Like, not as articulately, not as fact-based, and not as passionate, but they'll, yeah, this is a illegal court ruling. This is wrong. It's not the It's unconstitutional. This is not con. You, you don't have the power. But so what are you going to do about it? I mean, there's something to be said about picking your battles. But, like, at some point, you can't say, that shit's unconstitutional, and then... And then not only don't they do anything, but the few people willing to rise up, then they go and trash them. And all these thumbsuckers, oh, this this like uh, Shelley Luther, she's just a grandstander or something. No, she's the Rosa Parks of our time. And, and we need more of that. I guarantee you without more people like her and more publicity around it and us doing everything we can to fund their legal help, to give them aid and comfort. We will not be, even if, in other words, even if I would successfully get the news out now that all the deaths are in nursing homes and get to the bottom of that, and we would open up 100% right now, 
what happens in the fall? Even if COVID is is not gone, which it probably won't be gone thanks to the lockdown that precluded herd immunity and Sweden will do much better. But even if, if, it, if it's gone forever, just the flu is going to now be a pretext. Mark my words. The surveillance that they're going to continue, the contact tracing they're talking about, the police state. I mean, I, I didn't even get into all these cases of the affidavits they're making you sign in Washington state, take away your kids if you're caught with COVID and you don't quarantine. I mean, it, it is absolutely out of control. It is out of control. When you go and interview candidates for the coming upcoming election, your vote, and you have town halls, it's no longer about what's your position on taxes, what's your position on immigration. This needs to be dealt with as, as, the, as, as the issue of our time. I mean, the last two months have ch- changed our lives. You need to get on their cases, every one of your county and state officials. And yes, somebody needs to pressure the president, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Rush Limbaugh, fish or cut bait. Mr. President, which side are you on? If you're on our side, let your words and actions and personnel reflect that. If not, let us know so we can get another nominee. It is that simple. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. Anyway, we're out of time. Send this show to every one of your friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances, colleagues, coworkers. Sign up for Harwood Citizen Citizen Sanctuary on Facebook as well as our private group, Minutemen Speak Easy, where we are going to be Paul Revere's in a digital sense. And alert to what is going on. A lot of you have been very helpful. A lot of my articles have been inspired by news stories I wouldn't have seen if you would not have sent them to me or data. I need a lot of help crunching data because, frankly, nobody else is doing it. Busy, busy week. Might have a guest tomorrow. Um, Let me know your ideas if you want someone on the show. Until then, stay vigilant and stay free.